ends of the earth. From the depths of the sea. From the depths of the sea. From the heights of the heavens. From the heights of the heavens. Your name. The hearts of the weak, from the hearts of the weak, from the shouts of the strong, from the shouts of the strong, from the tongue of the people, the lips of the people, song we raise, Lord, throughout the endless ages, you will be. Crowned with praises, Lord, most high, exalted in every nation, sovereign of all creation, Lord, most high, be magnified from the of the earth, from the ends of the earth, from the depths of the sea, from the depths of the sea, from the heights of the hills, from the heights of the heavens, your name be praised, from the hearts of the weak, from the hearts of the shouts of the strong, from the shouts of the strong, from the lips of the people, from the lips of the people, the song we raise, Lord, throughout the endless ages, you will be crowned with praises, Lord, oh, Exalted in every nation, sovereign of all creation, Lord, most high, be magnified. Sing that chorus. Throughout the endless ages, you will be crowned with Praises, Lord, most high, exalted in every nation, sovereign of all creation, Lord, most high, be magnified, be magnified. about God living in us and through us and His holiness. Last week, Wayne talked about the Holy Spirit. We sometimes forget the Holy Spirit is God in us. So no matter what goes on, what the world does, God is there. 
giving you peace that passes all understanding.
sing God of wonders. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, Lord. You are holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy. Holy. Precious Lord. Precious Lord, reveal your heart to me. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are so holy, God. Then most of the time I fail to recognize that, God. Father, we come this morning just to lay down before you. Lay down everything that's happened this past week, God. With the hope, God, that we have the courage to lay down what's about to happen this week. You are an awesome God. Just sing this as a prayer. Everybody knows the words of this song.
Father, we thank you. Thank you for your great love. We thank you for revealing yourself to us. Lord, we ask you just to be with us as we worship you today. May our hearts be turned to to you. Let us lift up our faces to you, our hearts and our arms, and just receive you fully. Bless and use us and help us in Jesus' name. I want you to remain standing. Do something weird here. I want you to sing along with me with your eyes closed. We don't need words to this. This is an old one. It just came to mind this morning while we were in rehearsal. And I think God wants us to sing it.
holy words long preserved for our walk in this world they resound with God's own heart or let the ancient words impart words of life words of hope give us strength help us in this world wherever we roam ancient words will guide us home ancient words ever true changing me and changing you we have guys. All right. How are you this morning? Still waking up, huh? That was good, good worship music to get us prepared to, to study God's Word, to worship God, to be here together, to celebrate His presence. We're talking about theology uh, in our, our sermon series this morning. We've talked about God the Father. We've talked about God the Son. We've talked about God the Holy Spirit. Today I want to change gears a little bit and talk about Revelation. Not the book Revelation in the Bible, but the doctrine of Revelation. How does God reveal himself to man? 
If someone were to ask you, uh, how do you know there's a God? You know, what would you say to them if, if some, some guy came up to you and said, you know, there's got to be more than just eating and, and sleeping and working. I know there's got to be more to life than this, but, but how can I know and where can I find it? And what have you found in your own life? I realize that knowing and believing in God to us are probably as, as natural as, as breathing. But how would you explain to someone the existence of God. How does he reveal himself to you? I have a passage of scripture, Acts 17, verses 22 through 28. There's several passages, as a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, which is a story of the early church. And many of them, Paul is coming into a territory where people have been worshiping something, but they didn't know what. They just knew there had to be a higher power. They knew there had to be some kind of meaning and purpose in life, but they they couldn't put their finger on it, and they didn't know what to call it. And so in several passages, Paul comes into a territory, and he starts with where they are, and he moves them to a revelation of God. Acts 17, 22 through 28. He's in the Areopagus in Athens. And this is a, a learned place where they get together and debate and You know, Socrates and all these guys used to come in and and argue among one another. So Paul is standing in the middle of the Areopagus and he said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all men life and breath and everything. And he made from one nation of men to live, from one every nation of men to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel after him and find him. Yet he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your poets have said. Let's pray. God, if you had never revealed yourself to us, we would have never known you because we aren't wise enough or perceptive enough to realize who you are and what you do. So we thank you for bending down low in so many ways, especially Jesus, to reveal yourself to us. Now help us to worship you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There is uh, an outline in your worship bulletin to help you follow along because basically I want you to, to realize when you leave here this morning that there are four ways that God reveals himself to us. And, and let me make this clear. We know about God not because we discovered him. He was not found at the end of an equation. It was not... a an aha moment by a philosopher sitting behind a desk in some books. We know about God because he saw fit to reveal himself 
to us. He took the initiative. He revealed himself to us. It reminds me of John 15, 16. It says, you did not choose me. I chose you. God has chosen us. And let me make it clear. He hasn't just chosen some of you and rejected others of you. God has chosen every one of us to reveal himself to us. And he is standing at the door and knocking at the door of every one of our hearts. But we have to open up that door and let him come in. He has chosen to reveal himself to everybody, okay? How? How has he done that? Well, first of all, God reveals himself in nature. If you talk to any farmer, and there's a lot of them here in South Georgia, if you talk to the the research professors at the experiment station, you'll realize how important God is in nature. Farmers plant a seed, but can they make it grow? Farmers can can, uh, uh, plow a field, but can they make the rainfall and the sun to shine? They can't do any of that. Let me show you. Here's another interesting passage, Acts 14, verses 15 and 17. Let me set it up for you. Paul and Barnabas have gone into a a territory called Lystra. And uh, a man has been sitting beside a gate and he was crippled from birth and Paul heals him. And so all the people of Lystra suddenly start worshiping Paul and Barnabas as gods. As a matter of fact, they think they're Zeus and Hermes. You know, I thought... Paul would be Zeus, but actually Paul is Hermes, they said, because he talks a lot. And Barnabas is Zeus. He must be the one in charge. That's how messed up they are. And this is how Paul straightens them out. Acts 14, verse 15. Men, why are you doing this? We also are men of like nature with you and bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In verse 16, in the past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Verse 17, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good and gave you from heaven rains and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and with gladness. So God has given us rains. He's given us fruitful seasons. He's given us all these things in nature to realize that there has to be a God. Just look around you. Do you think these things, the beauty of this world is a coincidence? Do you think it could have just happened? I'll remember, I guess I'll never forget, John Silvoy gave a testimony one uh, Sunday night. You know, John is a PhD in plant pathology or something like that. His conversion experience began studying the simple processes of a leaf. I don't know if it was photosynthesis or or what, but just the complexities of a leaf in John's mind realized there had to be some kind of intelligent creator who put that, that thing together to make it work so perfectly. Just look around you. From nature, we know there has to be a God. A lot of you recognize the name Wally Amos. He is the inventor of the famous Amos chocolate chip cookies. Perhaps you've heard of them before or tasted them. Uh, In 1974, Wally Amos was in the depths of despair. His marriage had failed. He had tried to launch an entertainment career for about 13 years and was never working out. 
Uh, he was flat broke. Life was at its lowest point. <clears throat> and so as a, I don't know, I guess just a, a last hurrah, he decided to take his three sons. And uh, they went to the Grand Canyon. And he said, standing there on the edge of the Grand Canyon, it must have been about sundown. Because the hues of the areas of the canyon were just brilliant in their colors. And he was overwhelmed by the presence of God as he stood there on the edge. And he said, it was as if God was handing me his calling card. Because of the beauty of that nature that he saw. It reminded me of Psalm 19.1 that says, The heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament declares His handiwork. The heavens declare the glory of God. Just look around you. See what all God has done. What all he has made possible. What all he has created. How can you live in this world and look at the simplest thing that's happening and not realize that there's somebody that has to be around it? Something that has to have created it. It could not have just been a coincidence. But let's be honest here. There's another side to nature, like Hurricane Katrina, or floods, or earthquakes. So nature doesn't give us a perfect picture of God. Let's move on. There's another way God has revealed himself. In Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. All scripture is inspired by God. In other words, God speaks to us through scripture, doesn't he? God reveals himself to us through scripture. If he, if he didn't do that, then why is 1 Corinthians 13 so important at weddings? Why is Psalm 23 so meaningful at funerals? Over and over again, God reveals himself to us when you sit down and read the Bible and open up your heart to its truth. L.D. Johnson was a chaplain at Furman University, and upon his retirement, he contracted a, a serious cancer. And uh, he fought it valiantly for a few years, but as he approached death, uh, he was in bed and he sent his assistant chaplain to go get a book for him. And the assistant chaplain said, Which book do you want? And L.D. Johnson replied, at this point in a man's life, there's only one book. That's the way it is. The Bible reveals God to us. Nature reveals God, but then it's not a perfect picture. Scripture reveals God, but but let's be honest, there's some passages of Scripture that are confusing too. Um, Here's one, 2 Kings 2, 23 through 25. Are you familiar with this passage? I've never preached on this and probably never will. 2 Kings 2, 23 through 25. Young people, I want you to particularly pay attention. Elisha is walking by and some young people make fun of him being bald. They make fun of him being bald. Okay? And Elisha is so upset, he calls down a curse from the Lord on them. And two bears come out from the woods and maul 42 young people. Next time you want to be disrespectful, I want you to keep this in mind, particularly to those who are balding. Be sensitive. Okay, 
you and I don't worship a God who, who sends out bears to maul children, do we? No. Because that's, that's just, that's not who he is. How do I know we don't worship a God like that? Because there's a third way that God reveals himself to us. There's nature and there's scripture. But there's a third way, and this is the perfect way that God has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.19 says this, For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So in Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God dwelled in Jesus perfectly. And if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God might do, think what would Jesus do? Because there's a lot of things that we attribute to God that Jesus would have never done. And that's why the ultimate measuring rod for what God would do is Jesus. Think about that for a second. When you attribute something to God, make sure, you know, that bracelet, what would Jesus do? Ask yourself, would Jesus have done this? Because sometimes we, we attribute something to God, and it's not something Jesus would do. We, we're looking at, you know, a tradition that's been passed down in our family or a, a verse taken out of context in the Bible. And we say, well, God must be responsible. No. Would Jesus have done that? No. If Jesus wouldn't have done it, then God didn't do it. Let me give you, a, here's an example. A man is in, uh, in Washington, D.C. one day, and there's a wax museum there of uh, a lot of the politicians. He's taking pictures, and he gets to President Lyndon Johnson and Lady Bird Johnson, and he's taking a picture of the wax figure of Lady Bird Johnson, and there's a, a woman standing in his way, a grandmother and two granddaughters. And he asks them to step aside so he can take a picture of the wax model of Lady Bird Johnson. When he asked the woman and her two granddaughters to move, the girls start giggling. And he doesn't, find, he doesn't find out until later that he asked Lady Bird Johnson to move because she had taken her granddaughters there to see the wax museum and to see the wax figures of her and her husband. So you see what he was doing? He was asking the real thing to move so he could take a picture of the wax model. And that's what we do a lot. We've got the real thing in Jesus. But instead of looking at him, a lot of times we move him aside. So we can attribute to God something that God would have never done. We take scripture out of context. We apply values. We pick up somewhere and attribute it to God all without looking at Jesus. Because Jesus is the most perfect picture of God that we have. So he has to be the measuring rod that, that by which we understand everything else about God. We have nature that points to him. We have scripture that gives us truth. We have the perfect picture of God in Jesus Christ. And fourthly, God reveals himself in us. There's nature, there's scripture, there's Jesus, there's a fourth way. 
when God comes into our daily lives and reveals himself to us time and again. But guess what, friends? You and I, most of the time, don't have our eyes open to him because the only way you see God working around you is to have eyes of faith. But usually we have so many scales over our eyes, we couldn't see God if he came up and hit us on the side of the head with a stick. But God is in our lives and he's working all the time. There's a passage, Romans 8, 14 through 16, it says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You hear that? You're led by the Spirit of God, you're his son, you're his daughter. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, But you have received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father, we cry, Daddy. It is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. What that is saying is that when the Holy Spirit is in us, lines of communication are open between us and God. Our spirit is communicating with God's spirit. And there is a direct line of conversation going on so that God is working in our hearts and in our lives, revealing himself to us. I had a friend telling me a story driving home from Christmas, uh, for Christmas from, from Louisville. There was ice and snow on the road from seminary, and he hit a patch of ice, and the, and, and the car started spinning, and, and the people in the car were afraid. They began praying, and the car spun and spun, and it came to a rest about one foot from a power pole. Now, you can say, well, that's just a coincidence. But I'll tell you one thing. The people in that car saw that as a miraculous deliverance by God for their safety and their well-being. And he acts in our lives just like that all the time. And what really, what's really a shame is we'll pray to God and ask him to help us do something. And when he does it, we forget to thank him. We just go right along as if... Yeah, I guess that was going to happen. You know, this, that's, that turned out real good. Lucky me. But friends, God's working in your life for your good all the time. It reminds me of a song we sing at Easter. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives, what? He lives within my heart. He's there. So when somebody comes up to you and says, how can I know there's a God? I know there has to be something. I know there's got to be more to life than just going through these crazy motions. You can say, yes, there is. Look at nature. It points to God. Look at scripture. It explains him. Look to Jesus, the perfect revelation, the perfect picture of God. And oh, by the way, he's standing at the door of your heart and knocking. Why don't you let him come in? Shall we pray? God, if you had not been merciful and seen fit to reveal yourself to us, then we would have just been going through the motions. We would be born 
and live a few years and die and wither like the grass. But you have entered into our world and you have revealed yourself, not just to a select few, but you have chosen to reveal yourself to everyone. And you're there for us to find if we'll just open our eyes. You have shown your reality and nature. And Father, we do need rain right now. So we ask you would pour it out. You have revealed yourself in Scripture and pointed to the truth of Jesus. You have revealed yourself in Jesus Christ perfectly because your fullness has dwelt in him. And when we look at him, we see you. So help us to measure what we construe to be your will, what we think you might say or do. Measure all that by Jesus' words and his actions. But Father, finally, for those who have invited you into their hearts, you have revealed yourself in us. If we'll just open our eyes and do away with all the coincidences and realize that it's you and it has been you all the time. Thank you, Father, for doing all this for us. Help us respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a a hymn of invitation and decision to give you the chance to respond. Anytime there's a worship experience, there's a chance for response. Because of God having revealed himself to you, it's an opportunity for us to give ourselves back to him. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. God will give you all that by confessing your sins and repenting and inviting him into your life to be your Lord and Savior. If this is your desire, if you'd like to join our church, if you need to rededicate your life or come forward and pray, you do so. We'll stand and sing. Give us clean hands. I'll be at the front to receive you. Let's stand together and sing.